All right, well, it's preaching time. I've heard some great things about last night's service. I actually got me a message. Go tell what great things God has done for you. I'm, I'm, I'm perceiving that you took that over there where the maniac of Gadara had been transformed. And uh, Jesus said, just go home. Tell the good stuff I've done for you. Go back home where you came from. Be a royal diadem in my hand. Amen. I sure love this place. I hate to leave tonight, but I've got to be in North Carolina tomorrow night to preach a, a big youth rally. Be about five, six hundred teenagers and young people. So y'all pray that God will use me um, to preach over there. And then I'll be at my church on Sunday morning at the Sunrise Baptist Church. And then I've got a few days off. So I'm looking forward to spending a little time with my wife. We're going to ride around, hold hands, kiss, look at each other, and just date. She asked me the other day, she said, why don't you treat me the way you did when we were dating? I said, okay. So I took her to Sonic and dropped her off at her mom's house. She said, she asked me, she said, she said, why don't you take me to one of them restaurants where they prepare the food right out in front of you and all that stuff. And so I took her to Subway. Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. I love my wife. She's always been a woman, by the way. She ain't never been a man. She ain't never been confused. Neither have I. We're all good. We all, my kids know who they are, what they are, where they came from. That's a good thing about being a Christian, a child of God, being in church. You learn that stuff. We learn to pledge. We say the Pledge of Allegiance to the American flag, the Christian flag, and the King James Bible every Sunday morning during Sunday school. You know, they changed that pledge to the Christian flag. I'm not sure how y'all, if y'all even do the pledge to the Christian flag, but they, do y'all, how do y'all do it? One Savior crucified, risen, and coming again? Y'all do it that way? That's the, way you, that's the way you need to do it. It's been changed to one brotherhood or something like that, but we still do one Savior crucified, risen, and coming again with life and liberty, all who believe. That's the way you ought to do it. Mark chapter number six, stand with me. You'll be sitting for about an hour or two, and I want you to stretch your legs. Y'all know better than that, don't you? I'm a 30-minute preacher. Say, preacher, why? Because that's all I can handle of myself. I move this because I just don't want to spill it, preacher. I, sometimes I just get, I don't even know, I get maniacal up here, and I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't want to spill that oil. Is this the baptistry over here? The sprinkle? I'm just cutting up. I know better than that. Y'all got a man of God right here. Just leave him alone. If you got something bad to say about him, just let you bet it off. Just be quiet and leave him alone. God will kill you, give you leprosy. Leave the man of God alone. Support him. Back him up. Say, preacher, I don't like him. Like him lumping, jumping, or bumping, whatever you got. Just support him and pray for him. Amen. Mark chapter 6. Y'all leaving already? Did I, y'all going to smoke? Need a cigarette? I need one too, but I'm going to wait. I'm just kidding. I'm just cutting up. I know y'all got to go. It's all good. <laughs> Praise God. You know, how, listen, I, I know smoking's a sin. I get it, preacher. But sometimes I get in Walmart and I want one so bad. I ain't had one in 20 years. But is it a sin if somebody lights one up and I just walk real close to them and breathe? There's a good spirit in here tonight. Y'all know I'm cutting up. It's good to have fun in church. If you can't have fun in church, where you have, your kids want to have a good time somewhere. There'll be enough. Brother Billy Kelly said, you better laugh every chance you get because life is going to be so full of uh, uh, times where you have no, chance or no choice but to cry and weep. So if the burden's light, enjoy it. Amen. 
Mark chapter number six, look at verse number 35. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, this is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away that they may go out into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. He answered and said unto them, give ye them to eat. And they said unto him, shall we go and buy 200 pennyworth and, uh, of bread and give them to eat? And he saith unto them, how many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they say five and two fishes. Watch this now. And he commanded to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and break the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. Yeah, I like that part. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fishes, and they that did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men. Father, add your blessing, please, to the reading and preaching of your word. It feels good to be in church tonight. Thank you for the good choir. Thank you for the good reports of the messages and the meetings of the, the services. I pray tonight, Lord, you just inhabit this place. Walk these aisles. Lord, help me to preach. Clothe me with the cloak of your calling. Your mantle and your anointing would soak down upon this place. I publicly admit that I can do nothing without you, but with you all things are possible. Lord, I pray for the good man of God that will be preaching again tomorrow night. Bless him. Lord, anoint him. Use him to help charge, change, and challenge this church. No law but love, no creed but Christ, no price but the blood, and no book but the King James Bible. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I want to I share some illustrations with you tonight, but I want to use the word of God to encourage you. I just feel like encouraging the church. Now, if you're here and you're lost, you ain't going to get in on any of this. You just need to get saved, amen? And uh, Calvary, the ground is level at the foot of Calvary, red, yellow, black, white, purple, maroon, rich, poor, bond, or free. The ground is level, and uh, you don't have to wait till this service is over or until we uh, give an altar call. Uh, if I was lost, knowing what's going on in Israel and understanding how this book is alive this very moment, I would not wait till the end of the service. I would crawl to this altar and just ask Jesus Christ to save my soul if I was lost. But notice in verse number 42, the Bible says, and they did all eat and were filled. Let me ask y'all a question tonight. How many of you want to be filled with what God has for you? Well, maybe you're thinking, preacher, I'll be filled when I get to heaven. Amen, that's good, but we're not in heaven yet, we're here. I want to be filled here. You know, Canaan land is not really a great picture of heaven, even though we can use it. Canaan land is a victorious Christian life that you can live right here and right now. Jesus, God wants to bless your socks off while you're here. He don't want you driving a broke down moped liquor cycle the rest of your life, uh, riding around acting like your father is poor. God, I'm, not, I'm not preaching health and wealth, but there are some good blessings uh, that come with serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, hear me and hear me well. God God wants to bless you financially, physically, mentally, spiritually, maritally. He wants to bless you because he's a good father. He don't want you riding around acting like he's broke because he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the wealth in every mine, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. In fact, the Bible says the earth is his footstool. He props his feet up on this mud ball we call earth. Honey, he owns the treasures and the caverns, the caves, the hills, the mountains, the valleys, the 
the mud puddles. He can bring it out of the creeks, the rivers, the streams, uh, the oceans, the hail, the dew, the lightning, the whirlwind, uh, the clouds. It don't matter. My God owns it all. He can take the jawbone of an ass and slay a thousand Philistines. He can speak through a rooster. He can speak through a jackass. He even spoke through a woman every once in a while in the word of God. He can do anything he wants to, anytime, anywhere. That's who he is. Trust him. He wants to fill you up. Notice that they're in a desert place in verse 32. And they departed into a desert place. In verse 35, they come unto him and said, this is a desert place. Now, when I think about a desert, I think about sand and dust and dirt. I don't think about clean living. I don't think about water. I don't think about a, a full course meal. I don't think about a shower or a bath. Uh, I think about somebody who's got a turban wrapped around his head or a diaper on his head, uh, walking around hot, looking for water, uh, dusty and dirty. Uh, and when I see that, it makes me go, man, they need to get cleaned up. Jesus tells them, I want to feed you. I want to fill you up and give you leftovers. But watch verse number 39. He says, he says, I want to fill you up. But in verse 39, he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon green grass. He said, I want you to sit down and trust me. I want you to enter into my rest. Before I fill you up, I want you to enter into my rest and sit down and trust that I can do this. But watch this. He said, by companies, and by, in fact, it says in verse 40, in ranks. See, God's very interested in rank. God's very interested in, in the husband covering the wife and Christ covering the husband. He's very interested in the children obeying their parents in the Lord, for this is right. He's very interested in servants obeying their masters. He's very interested in pastoral authority. He's very interested in those things. So if we want to get filled up, number one, we've got to rest. Number two, we've got to be in rank. But watch this. And he commanded them to all sit down by companies upon the green grass. He says, before I fill you up, you've got to get out of the dirt and get in the green grass. I won't preach for a few minutes on I'm going green with God. I'm just going green with God. Amen. Green grass pictures life and growth and goodness and clean living. It pictures all the blessings that God wants to give you. I say it's time to go green with God. Get out of the dirt of this world and go green with God so he can do miracles in your life. Clean up and let God use your vessel. I don't know if you've noticed but the church has become so worldly and the world has become so churchy and you put them both in a bucket and dump them out you can't tell one from the other but honey we all walk around with what would Jesus do on a bracelet you know why they don't know what Jesus would do because they ain't read what Jesus has done I don't have to wonder what Jesus would do when somebody says come on down to the bar room or let's go to the pool league or let's go down there to the bingo hall and listen to them cuss hey I don't have to wonder what Jesus would do because I done read this book and I know what Jesus has done. Amen. Quit wondering what Jesus would do and read what he did and you won't have to wonder anymore. You'll know the heartbeat of God. I'm not against WWJD. Fellow had on a tie the other night to have. Well, I like that stuff. But if you really have to wonder all the time what Jesus would do, read your Bible. John the Baptist came out of the wilderness and he had, he was preaching. He was a, he was a leather lung preacher. He had, he had locusts and he had honey. Locust pictures sin. Locust devours everything that it touches. 
He was preaching against sin. He said, you bunch of generation of vipers. You're a viper. Your daddy's a viper. Your granddaddy's a snake. You're all snakes. Show me fruit meat for repentance. Hey, you better turn or burn. He had the locust in one hand, but in the other hand, preacher, he said, behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. We've got to have a balanced thing here. We've got to preach against sin and then give them the cure. But honey, we got to, we got to let, stop letting the church get so worldly that nobody even knows that you're part of the living church. We've got to get right with God. We've got to get out of the dirt and get in the grass. In Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse number one, dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. So doth a little folly in him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. Listen, there was a strict recipe in Exodus chapter 30 for the ointment of the apothecary. Now here's the picture the Lord gave me. The ointment killed the flies. Dead flies cause a stinking savor. So when the flies got into the ointment, the flies couldn't take it. It was a strong, potent odor. It smelled good in the tabernacle. But if a fly got in there, buddy, the ointment killed the flies. Dead flies sent forth the stinking savor. So the ointment can picture the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this, preachers. The blood kills the sin and the devil's power. When you get washed in the blood, sin has no more dominion over you. That's what the Bible says. So the ointment killed the flies. Those little sins are dead when they meet the blood or the ointment. But you can't just leave the dead flies in the ointment because it sends forth a stinking savor. You get to the cross and God kills the power of sin. Now it's time for you to get the dead flies out of your life. It's time to keep the dead flies out of your life. Hey, preacher I'm going to heaven sin has no dominion I'm cleansed good now get the dead flies out of your life get out of the dirt and get in the grass we got some cleaning up to do we all have a job to do keeping those flies out hey those little foxes in Song of Solomon 2.15 they become a big problem the Bible says take us the foxes the little foxes that spoil the vines for our vines have tender grapes in 2 Kings chapter 4 Elijah said there's death in the pot Hey, some young person went out there and got some contemporary mess and brought it in and put it in the King James pot. And the Bible says that there was death in the pot. Little by little, he put it in there. Elijah said, you go get some meal. Hey, that picture's the cross of Calvary. And he said, it's okay now. We got the cross in there. We cleaned up the mess. We got the stench out. I say, it's time to get the death out of the pot, church. Go grieve with God so he can bless you. Amen. I've been pastoring 16 years. Y'all listen to me. I, I'm not a novice anymore. I've been saved 20, pastoring going on 17 years. I've watched them come to church and they say, preacher, I want what your family has. How come your kids made it out of the world? How come your son's playing the guitar and your daughter's singing in the choir and your marriage is better than it's ever been? And what's going on here? And I said, man, you can do it well. I go to church too, but the whole time uh, they're still cussing, they're still drinking, they're still smoking dope, uh, still doing living in the world. They come to church on Sunday and live like the world Monday through Saturday. Uh, and they wonder why God's not doing the miracles in their life. Uh, because we've got some work to do, church. And I'm supposed to fix their problems while they're smoking dope, drinking liquor, fornicating, looking at pornography, cheating on the old man. And I'm going, can you please give me some help here? Give me something to work with. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, we got some work to do. Three points, four points. I'm really, I'm really waiting on my fourth point. That's the one I want to hit. But I'm going to give you three just to kind of lead up to where I want to go. When you decide to go green with God, 
And I alliterated it too because I told the preacher I didn't the other day and I wanted to go ahead and, and rebuke myself and alliterate this message. Number one, there's power. When you decide to go green with God, there's power. Once you decide to get out of the dirt, God will give you the power and the strength to do it. God's not going to tell you to do something and then not equip you to do what he told you to do. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Well, preacher, I just can't do it. I had them come up to me all the time. Well, preacher, you don't understand. I've been, I've been taking heroin for three or four years and I'm on Oxycontin and hydrocodone. You don't understand. And I look at them and say, you're talking to the wrong boy. You're talking to the wrong dude, bro. 13 years I had a needle in my arm. I'm talking about riding with hell's angels, sticking needles in my arms, and cocaine and methamphetamines up my nose, uh, crunching oxycontin, hydrocodone, oxycodone, methamphetamines. Uh, I'd eat it, crunch it, snort it, whatever I had, and I'd stick it under my toenail uh, if I could get high from it just to keep from coming down. Uh, and when I got saved, honey, uh, I was locked down on that stuff. Uh, I needed help getting off of the dope. I tried it and tried it and tried it every morning after morning after morning. I'd puke my guts up. I'd be having a hangover. I'd have to snort a line, shoot up, crunch a pill. I'd say, God, this is the last day. I got to quit. I can't do this to my wife and kids no more. I'm about to lose my health, my job, my sanity, only to find out I was locked down, buddy. I was a slave to sin. I could not break free. But, honey, I got saved that morning. And heaven came down and glory filled my soul. And I said, God, you're going to have to give me the power. I can't do this on my own. I got saved on a Monday morning. I went to my mother. She's listening. She listened. She's upset because you're not live streaming the video. She said, I couldn't see you, son. I said, Mama, you see me every day. Love you, Mama. I went over to her house that night after I got saved. I said, Mom, I got to get out of that club. She said, what are you going to do? I said, I can turn my covers in. and I got to mail them in, run them in by one of the fellows or whatever. I said, but I could walk in there Friday night, get it over with, and not look over my shoulder. She said, oh, son, you're, gonna, you're going in there Friday, aren't you? I said, yeah, Mom, I ain't, I ain't no sissy. She goes, I'm going with you. I thought about power. I said, Mom, moms don't go with sons to get out of motorcycle gangs. You're going to get us all killed. She said, last I checked, I'm the mother, you're the son. I tell you to do what to do. You don't tell me what to do. I looked at my dad. I said, do something with your wife. My dad said, Ephesians 5, you're not going. You've got to submit. My mom goes, she said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to fast and pray for you till you come home Friday night. I'm not eating a bite all week long. I said, mama, you can do that. I'm talking about the power to get out. I had one Wednesday night under my belt, still coming off a of dope, trying to come off a of dope. I went to the clubhouse Friday night, laid my colors on the table, walked into a room about the size of this sanctuary, walked into the meeting room, big old oval table, 80 grown men with brass knuckles and knives and revolvers and chains and guns, everything they didn't hurt. I was trying to get out of the club and they was ready for war. I walked in there, laid my colors on the table. The president of the, gu- the club stood up. He said, you have something you want to tell us? I said, I can't ride with you anymore. I'm out. He said, you want to tell us why? You said when you joined this club, it was going to be for life. You said you'd give your life for us. What makes you think we're going to let you out? I looked at him and I said, sir, I got saved Monday morning. He said, saved from what? They didn't have a clue. I said, I'm glad you asked. I said, I got saved from my sin. I said, I'm not going to be following you anymore because I'm going to be following Jesus Christ. And because of that, I can't do what you do, go where you go, say what you say, drink what you drink, smoke what you smoke. I said, I'm going to be following Jesus Christ. So let's just do whatever we got to do and get it on. And my mom had been fasting and praying and I didn't expect him to say, oh, well, let's talk about that big tattoo that's on your back. 
Because my whole back's tattooed club colors, top rocker, bottom rocker, center patch. They said if I ever tried to get out of the club, they was going to skim my back with a blowtorch. I said, well, what are you going to do? He said, are you willing to get it covered up? I said, that's a whole lot better than a blowtorch. I had one preacher look at me one time. He said, I never got more tattoos after I got saved and valued. I was wrong. I said, you don't know what you'd have done. Be quiet. Actually, I told him to shut up. <laughs> Everything was going pretty good. There's this one guy that I never got along with. He stood up. I said, man, here we go. He's going to swat a hornet's nest. He wants, to, he wants to get me. He wants to take me down. This is his opportunity. We never got along in the club anyway. And he looked at me, and he looked around, and he began to speak. Y'all, I'm talking about the power. Come on, preacher. Get it. The power. He could not get the words out of his mouth. He began to stutter and stammer, could not pronounce his syllables right. He, um, 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 and he's looking around and, he, and he's looking at me and I'm looking at him and everybody's looking at me and I'm going, Mom, don't eat yet. It's working. It's working, Mom. President me, he said, I don't know what's going on in here. He said, but you need to leave. He looked, at the, he looked at the treasurer, the secretary. He said, mark his name out of the book. He's no longer a member of this local club. I remember walking out of that place with my hands up in the air uh, thinking you can mark my name out of your book because high up in heaven's book of life, uh, I know that I know that my name's written down. Uh, I'm telling you when God wants you out of the dirt uh, and wants you in the grass, uh, he will give you the power to do it. Uh, I thank God for the prayers that went up for me. Uh, it's like God said, if you're crazy enough to walk into a den of lions, boy, uh, I will shut their mouths. I was on methadone, 120 milligrams a day, trying to come off of heroin. Walked into the methadone clinic um, on Bluff Road. Dr. Merlin was in there. I said, Doc, I said, I got to get off this stuff. My preacher told me I can't stay on it. It's just, it's just a, a legal way to get high. I've been on it for a few weeks, and I was just trying to dose my way down. And I said, I'm not coming. He said, he, he looked at my rap sheet, preacher. He pulled out my rap sheet. Because see, when you go to the methadone clinic, modern-day Subutex, Suboxone, and all the same sorry stuff, legal heroin, that's all it is, he, you have to take a 20-panel drug test when you go to the methadone clinic. Years before I got saved, I got on the methadone. I failed for 17 out of 20 drugs. That's how messed up I was. I was tore up from the floor up. Needed a checkup from the neck up. I was in bad shape. He began to read my arrest record. He began to read my gang affiliation, all the dope that I've been doing. He looked at me, he said, Mr. Spears, you will never get off of methadone. You will always need something to level your head out. I said, sir, you look at me. I said, my God told me that I'm more than a conqueror. My preacher said that I, I can do all things through Christ. I said, I'm not coming back here. He kicked his chair back. He said, you'll be back in three days just like everybody else. Ha, ha, ha. He should have never done that. I thought, if I do go back to the methadone clinic, I'm going to Florence. I ain't going back here. I went home. I'm talking about the power to get out of the dirt and get in the grass. I went home. I told my wife, I wish she could be here tonight. I said, honey, we had been married 11 years at the time. This January will be 30, 30 or 31. I said, honey, I said, I get it off methadone. She said, what did you do down there at the clinic? I said, well, I can't go back. She said, you raised Cain down there, didn't you? I said, well, I didn't do it. He did it. She said, yo, okay. <laughs> I said, I'm done. I said, I can't do this anymore. She said, what do I need to expect? And I began to tell her the signs of withdrawal from heroin and methadone. I said, honey, it's going to be bad. I began to tell her about my bowels and my bladder not being able to control it. Um, suicidal thoughts, all the things that happen when you're coming off of 13 years of every day being on heroin or narcotics. Never get started on it. 
13 years. Yeah, I never thought it'd be 13 years. I thought just a day or two I'd have fun and come out of it. My wife looked at me and she said, I told you when I married you it was for good or for bad. Sickness and health, rich and poor, till death do us part. She said, I got your back. I'm going to see you. I said, listen, I'm in my right mind right now. I said, I, I, I took a dose yesterday. I said, it's going to be a few hours before I start coming down. She looked at me. She said, I got your back. We flushed, we flushed methadone down the toilet. And 24 hours later, I was in the bed sick as a dog. 24, 48 hours went by. I'm banging my head against the wall, asking God to kill me. Can't control my bladder, my bowels, cold sweats, having to change the sheets two or three times a night. Uh, my legs are cramping up so bad I want to cut them off. Abdominal cramps, all these suicidal th thoughts, all this migraine headaches. I felt like I had the flu times a thousand. And, and I mean, I'm laying in bed shriveled up like a baby. And I remember my dad had to come over and get all the guns and knives out of my house because I was going to kill myself. That's how bad I felt. And I remember screaming at my wife. I said, honey, bring me the phone. I got to make a phone call. I can't do this. I need help. I can't do it on my own. I need to get something to ease the pain. A couple of pills, something. I said, you don't understand. My wife come in there. She'd never raised her voice to me up to this point. She walked in there. She said, honey. I said, yeah. She said, you're not getting the phone. I said, oh, okay. I never even knew my wife could sing that lady on that CD that's my wife first time I ever heard her sing as she looked at me in that bed she said this amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once was lost but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. It's like the power of God filled that house. I remember getting up, going for a walk around the yard, and I come back, she was holding the calendar. She said, you know what today is? I said, no, what's today? She said, she said, it's been 30 days. It's been 30 days you've been clean. I said, that's good, but that's not good enough. Get out of the way. I think I'm going to puke. Went for another walk around the yard come back she was holding that calendar I said what are you doing she said do you know what today is I said what's today she said eight weeks two months I said has it been two months she said yeah I said what's for supper I came home from work one day and she was holding that calendar at the screen door she said do you know what today is I said I got a feeling I know what today is she said one year you've been clean one year today I said, load up the van, we're going to the steakhouse. You know what I found out? When you decide you're going to go green with God and you lose all of your excuses, your rock and roll music, your rap music, your tobacco, your pornography, your grudges, we think that we'll never get rid of it. But can I tell you something? One day turned into a week. A week turned into a month. A month turned into a year. Two, three, four, five. This month is 20 years I've been saved, clean, going green with God. Don't tell me God won't give you the power to get out of the dirt and get in the grass when you decide in your heart you're going to do it. You know why most people don't have the power to get out of the dirt and get in the grass? Because they really don't want to get out of the dirt. They want to hold on to both and they want to be lukewarm and God said, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. But when you really determine you're going to do it, I didn't decide if, it killed, if they killed me, I was getting out of the dirt. That's good. That's good. There's power. Number two, there's protection. 
Did you know that when you decide to go green with God, there's protection? God will protect you. Ministering spirits to those who are heirs of salvation. That's exactly right. I remember we had been saved for about a year and I was going, coming out of North Carolina. We went up to visit my uncle and we were coming down I-26, down that mountain. And I'll never forget as, as we were coming down that mountain, I, I had caught the draft on a horse trailer that was being pulled by a dually. How many of you know what catching the draft is? You're that far from the bumper of the person in front of you. Now, I had done told my kids, our son was 10, our daughter was two. I said, use the bathroom at Uncle Larry's. We got a two and a half hour drive from Asheville to Columbia. I said, we're not gonna stop. I wanna make it home. I wanna beat my time. That's just the dad in me. I said, we're not gonna stop. We're gonna go straight home. I'm gonna see how long it takes us to get home. I gotta get ready for church tomorrow. It was on a Saturday. And so they went to the restroom. I'm catching the draft on a horse trailer. We're going about 90 mile an hour down I-26. And I got the thumbs up in the rear view mirror from the guy that's driving the horse trailer. He knew what I was doing. I said, boy, we're going to make good time. I'm going to follow this dude as far as I can. And if somebody shoots radar, he's getting the ticket, not me. We have been on the road for about 40 minutes, and my son in the back seat, his name's Cody, 10 years old, he said, Daddy, I got to go to the bathroom. I said, no, you don't. I said, boy, I'm making good time. I'm following the draft on this horse trailer. I said, we're going 90 miles an hour. I said, boy, we're going to make it home in record time. He said, Daddy, I'm going to the bathroom whether you get off this road or not. I got to go bad. I'm going to pee in the floor. I said, is it that bad, son? He said, Daddy, I'm telling you, I got to go. I said, oh. So I got off the exit, left my horse trailer, going down the road. Went in and used the restroom. My wife went in and got something to drink. Got back in the truck. We were there for maybe eight minutes. Got back on I-26. Y'all listen to me. As soon as we got back on the interstate, within a quarter of a mile, that dually had jackknifed with that truck and that trailer and flipped. I don't want to get graphic. The mom and the dad were fine, but those horses, those three horses, there was blood, bones, skin, brains, mingled metal all over the interstate couldn't even get through as we pulled over on the side of the road my wife looked at me and it got deathly quiet she said do you feel the presence of a friend in this vehicle i said his name is jesus you know what i found out about 20 years ago when you decide to go green with god god will put a hedge of protection around you and your family my son called me today. He said, Dad, he, his voice was quivering. He said, Dad, you know what just happened to me? I said, what happened, son? He said, I was in the restroom at the urinal. He said, I, as I walked in, I noticed that there was feet underneath the stall, but they were facing the wrong way. They were facing like towards the opposite way, and it didn't look right. He said, but I, as I was using the restroom, he said, it was just me and this other fellow in there. And, and after just a moment, he said, I heard him chamber around into a semi-automatic weapon. He said, I immediately got out of there. He said, I don't know what happened. I said, son, you, you have no idea what could have happened had God not had his hand on you. Yeah. Over and over and over and over and over again, I could tell you, and so could you. You could tell me how you didn't die from that cancer, how God kept you out of that car wreck, how you survived this or survived that. You know why? Because you decided to serve Jesus Christ. Amen. And God has protected you. For every Barry Spears that made it through, the tons of drugs and alcohol that I put into my body. I could take you to many, many, many tombstones where it says rest in peace of people who didn't do a 10% of the dope that I did. Why did God spare my life? Because I have a mom and a dad and a wife and a church that prayed for me.
Not only is there power to go green with God, not only is there protection, but there's provision. And I'm heading to my last point in a minute, so stay with me. There's provision. I'll never forget, I'd been saved for about a year. I'd got my old job back. I was on straight sales. I'd been working for about, I don't know, three or four weeks. And, and uh, I had already made plenty of money. We had food in the refrigerator. We had our insurance paid. The mortgage was paid. All the bills were paid. But see, I wanted to be the top salesman in the company. And so because I didn't have as many sales on the board as I thought I should have, I got into what's called a pity party. Y'all know what that is, right? You get carpet burn on your bottom lip. And uh, so I went to the office that morning and I made an excuse why I needed to leave. And I'll never forget, I went to the Walmart parking lot on Forest Drive where there's a Walmart. And there's no, at that time, there was no dirt. There was no trees. There were no islands. It was just all asphalt, Walmart and a McDonald's right there in the asphalt jungle. I remember walking into that McDonald's, I ordered an Egg McMuffin and a cup of coffee, and I sat over by the window, and I thought, I'm just going to pity myself and wonder where God's at. I haven't sold anything in about a week and a half, and even though the bills are paid and I got all that I need, I'm, I'm really kind of doubting God. God, where are you? So I sat down by that window, and I'm drinking my coffee, and a fellow walked into the door, and he walked up to the counter. There's a black boy on the other side of the counter, and he was flipping sausage patties, making minimum wage, sweat dripping all over him, and the fellow that walked into the store said he must have known the guy that was cooking the sausage patties, and he mentions his name, and he says, hey, how are you doing this morning? That fellow looked up from that grill. He said, I'm blessed of the Lord and highly favored. And I said, blessed of the Lord and highly favored. You're working for minimum wage at McDonald's. You probably live down there. I know where you probably lived down there in the slums. I said, wait a minute. You're blessed of the Lord and highly favored. What do you mean? I'm thinking to myself. And the Holy Ghost said, what about you? I said, oh, that ain't nothing. I shrugged it off, preacher. Sitting there by that window. God works in mysterious ways. I can't make this up. I'm looking out the window, having a pity party, drinking my coffee. All of a sudden, this bird flies down about maybe 15 yards from me sticks his beak down into a crack in the asphalt. As he sticks his beak down in that crack in the asphalt, he pulls up a worm that big. It's literally hanging out of his beak like a spaghetti noodle. That ain't good enough. God knows what he's doing. That bird flew over to the window where I was sitting, hopped up on the windowsill and looked at, he's that far from my face with this worm hanging out of his beak. He looks at me, he goes, and that worm went. As that bird looked me dead in my eyeballs, he looked at me and then he looked up to heaven as if to say, Lord, you just supplied my breakfast. Slurped that worm down his beak, look, listen to me, looked at me and winked and flew off into the heavens. And the Holy Ghost of God walked in that McDonald's, uh, sat down in my lap and said, boy, if I can feed a bird, a worm that big in the middle of an asphalt jungle, uh, are you of not more value than the sparrows? I'm going to feed your family. Oh, ye of little faith. From that day forward, I said, God, I'm going to trust you to provide for me. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to church hard. And you're going to provide for my family. Honey, I was 20-something years ago. I ain't missed a meal. I ain't missed a payment. God has been good to this old sinner. When you decide you're going green with God, he'll give you the power to do it. He will, he will protect you in the process. He will provide for you 
But it brings me to my last point. Look at Luke chapter number 15. I thought I had exhausted the prodigal son. How many of you know you cannot exhaust a comma in this book? It's got a heartbeat. It's alive. I want you to listen to this last point because this is where I want to settle in. If you give me five or ten minutes, I am done. When you decide you're going to go green with God, and this is what we're dealing with, preacher. I think you, you probably know what I'm saying. You've pastored longer than I have. And you'll find that a lot of people who decide that they're going to go green with God and clean up, they'll see that there's power. They'll see the protection. They'll see the provision. But there is a probability. At first, I put possibility, but then I changed it to probability because the longer I'm alive, the more I see this. There is a probability that when you do this, you're going to get puffed up with pride. Amen. Listen to me. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what the devil wants you to do. He can't stop you from going green with God. But he can put pride in your heart and say, look at me now. Look, I have arrived. I don't drink smoke. I don't cuss. I don't chew. I don't, do any, I don't run with those who do. I don't do any of that stuff anymore. And, and then all of a sudden we'll begin to look down our nose at people who have struggled. Your pastor and I were talking about it the other day. Some people get saved. They'd never say another cuss word. They don't touch another cigarette. They don't, none of that stuff. And thank God for that. That wasn't me. I needed help. It took the Holy Ghost a few, a few weeks, months to clean me up. And if we're not careful, we'll begin to look down our nose and we'll think that we're better than everybody else. We'll start criticizing those who it took a little bit longer, those who made a mistake, those who didn't do it right the first time and needed a second chance and needed restored by those which are spiritual. All those, I'm telling you, church, if you're not careful, you'll start living clean, you'll start living right, and the devil will put that pride in your heart. And all of a sudden, God says, son, do you not, have you forgotten where you came from? There's a fellow in Luke chapter 15. He's about as dirty as you can get. He said, give me the goods that are bestowed unto me. And he wasted on a riotous living. The word riotous is very graphic. Anything he could do, he did it. He landed in the hog pen. The Bible says he fain would have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. The husk is the outer shell of the corn. No nutrition, just something to fill up your belly. But no, That's where the world lands you. No nutrition. He's not even supposed to be around swine. He's unclean. He's as unclean on the outside as he is the inside. He's laying there and he came to himself and he needs to get out of the dirt. Am I right about it? Watch what he says. I, I, I didn't see this till just a few weeks ago. The Bible says in verse number 17, and when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Notice when he left, he said, give me. But when he comes home, he says, make me. See, that's the difference in someone who wants to do it their way and someone who wants to do it God's way. He said in verse number 20, and he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. We've read this. We, we, see, we can picture it. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But watch this. Here's where the Lord began to show me something. But the father said to his servants, plural. Now that's not really a picture of the Holy Ghost because it's plural. That's you and I. That's the church. He says to the church, the servants, 
bring, he says, I want you to do four things, servants. Number one, bring forth the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, colon. Nope, nope, no period. He's still talking to the servants. He says, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. He just looked at the church, his servants. He said, go kill the flesh. I want to have a party, but the flesh must die. See, a lot of people want to party, but they don't, with, with God, but they don't want to kill the flesh. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. So, let me ask you a question. This is not a trick question. What did the Bible say? Who killed the fatted calf? The servants. Settled it, right? I begin to read further. For this my son was dead, he was alive again, he was lost, he was found, and they began to be merry. Verse 25. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came in, he drew nigh to the house. He heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother has come. Now the servants are talking to the elder brother. And here's what they tell the older brother, the servants now. Thy father hath killed the fatted calf. Hold on a minute. Who killed the fatted calf? The servants. But when they were asked about this calf killing, they said it was all the father. Here's what they did. They did the work, but they gave all the glory to the father. See, we get cleaned up and we get out of the dirt and we get in the grass and we begin to kill the flesh and we're crucified with Christ and we're buried with him in baptism, risen again in newness of life by the operation of God and, and we get all that stuff down. But anytime we begin to take the credit for it, we have become a full-blown Pharisee. See, those servants, they did what the father told them to do. They killed the fatted calf. But when asked about it, they said, hey, the father did it. Here's what we need to tell the world. Anything good that I'm doing, it's the father. I couldn't do it on my own, but Christ in me, the hope of glory. I tried and I failed. I made a mess out of my life. And if you look at my marriage and you look at the church and you look at my finances and you look at my health and you look at all the good things God's done for me, it's all glory to the father. John put it this way. He must increase and I must decrease. It's about time we stop getting puffed up with pride. When we get cleaned up, give all the glory to the Father. And when the fatted calf is killed, say, he did it! He did it. It's time to go green with God. Stand with me, heads about eyes are closed. Father, I love you tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for helping us kill the fatted calf. Thank you, God, for helping us to Get cleaned up. I believe somebody here tonight, Lord, they're, they're trying their best on their own. Lord, there's some dead flies sending forth a stinking savor in the ointment of the apothecary. The blood has killed the sting of sin. Has no dominion over us. But Lord, we're letting those dead flies lay around. And I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to do some cleaning up so that you can bless our socks off. Lord, you want to fill us up with leftovers. But we got to get out of the dirt, get in the grass. We got to sit down in a rank. Lord, we got we to get that dirt off of us. That one that's here tonight, they're struggling. They're trying so hard. May what I've told them tonight through the preaching of this book encourage them and give them the strength through the Word of God to put down every sin and weight that does so easily beset them and run with patience the race that's set before them, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, this is a good church. These are great people. Lord, I felt so good this week preaching here at Calvary, meeting these good folks. Lord, I know that behind the smiles, there lies burdens. There's struggles. There's chains that need to be broken. 
I pray tonight would be the night that we settle it down, that you are able to give us the power, the protection, the provision, and lose the pride. As the pastor comes, Lord, have your way in the invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.